Jake Asman and Dan Budick break down the world of sports right here, right now on VIC Radio. And that is us. It's the Asman and Budick Show taking you until midnight right here on VIC Radio. Jake Asman, Dan Budick. Yes. Lots going on. NFL Week 3 almost in the books. we got one more game tomorrow night. We have a game going on right now between Detroit and... And, of course, the Denver Broncos. We have that game on in our studio right now, so we'll be updating you on that one as we take you till midnight. And week three underway, Dan, obviously. The big story for us, anyway, was the horror show of the New York Jets offense. We'll certainly open and touch on that. We'll also make sure that we go around the rest of the NFL in this hour. And then your New York Mets, they clinched the NL East yesterday. Yes, They're sir, going to the postseason oh, my God. for the first time in nine years. So we'll definitely be talking some baseball in the second half of the show. But we begin with the Jets because today was a horror show. 24-17, they lose to the Eagles. The Jets are now 2-1. and one. The Eagles are now 1-2. and two. And this game was very winnable for the Jets because as poorly as they played, they had a chance late with the football to cut this, you know, to to they had a chance late with the football to make this one a game to tie this one up, and they blew every opportunity they got. Ryan Fitzpatrick today did not play well. He dropped back 58 times, completed 35 passes, but he only had 283 yards, and he threw three interceptions. The Jets turned over the football a total of four times, and the Phil and the Eagles. They're a good football team. They haven't played well, and they didn't play well again today. But once again, if you give teams you know, four turnovers, you spot them four turnovers, it's tough to win. And at the end of the day, the Jets did not play well offensively as well as their defense played in the second half. This game was lost because Ryan Fitzpatrick couldn't win them this game. It was very disappointing, this football game, for a number of reasons. First off, the quarterback play, Jake. It was brutal. Fitzpatrick was brutal. And you know what I find so funny? And maybe we jinxed it a little bit. We had Bob Wischusen on at the beginning of the week, right after. I Mark. think this is our fault. And we had him on on Tuesday, and we asked Bob Wischusen, for everyone who doesn't know, Bob Wischusen the, the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Jets on ESPN Radio. And we said, you know, Bob, what is it going to have to, what is it going to take for Geno Smith to come back and be this team's starting quarterback? And he said, well, unless Ryan Fitzpatrick really plays bad, this is his job, and he played terrible today. He played so bad, he then was awful. that there were people on Twitter, and I heard that there were people in the stands, but they were chanting for Geno Smith at certain points well, during this I, game. I feel like that's a little much, but he he was really bad today. He was today. bad. But when it, when it came down to it, this game should have been 40-17. to, to 17. They should have been killed. They should have gotten smoked. I mean, they did not play in the first half. No, they didn't, and it was unacceptable to watch this team in that first and, half, and you know have really, one first down until about two minutes left in the first quarter. It's in the second what quarter. What bugged me the most was just watching them on the field. They just looked they looked like zombies. They looked lethargic. They looked with, and, and, and defensively, you know, at times they weren't great. But for the most part, I can't blame the defense here. They held the Eagles to zero points, like 50 total yards in the second half. And, you know, you look at the final score, it was 24-17. The Jets special teams allowed the punt return. That's seven points the right there. Plays, That's the difference in the game. There were two plays that were uh, signature moments of the Jets losing this game. The punt return by Sproles and the ridiculous flip flip by Brandon Marshall to Jeff Cumberland, the man who has no hands. Stone hands. Stone hands. I mean, that play, it changed the game. It really did. Because here you are, you're down, but you're driving, and all of a sudden you give it back to you. You give it back near, if not, I don't remember exactly where it was on the football field, uh, in Jets territory, near Jets territory, and five plays later, the Eagles score. 
That's 14 points the Jets basically gift-wrapped the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, you know, we've talked about this. I'm not ready to say the Philadelphia Eagles are a bad football team, but they did not play well today. And, and Sam Bradford continues to show why he's considered a bust as a first overall pick. I mean, he, he did not play well today. Sam Bradford today, 14 of 28, 118 yards and a touchdown. He couldn't beat this team. You're right. What killed the Jets at the end of the day was the following things. You said it. The Brandon Marshall play. I mean, no it's one, inexcusable. I mean, no one knows what he's doing. It's the worst, one of the worst plays I've ever seen. And it's tough because Brandon Marshall has been so good. Even today, even despite that, he still caught a touchdown, still went over 100 yards receiving again today. The problem with this Jets team, once again, continues to be, doesn't matter who's the coach, who's the quarterback, turnovers. You can't it turn the football them. over four yeah. times really and expect to win really games. Six times. And but Fitz could have easily thrown two more interceptions. And despite all that went wrong, the Jets defense forces the fumble late. They had the ball down ten. There's two still plays about, later. There's still two? about six minutes left in the game. Well, was it two? How many plays did they run in that drive before the pick? one? They one had play. the ball one at the time. Eagles' thirty-yard line. The first play, Fitzpatrick drops back, tip assist, interception. Brutal. I mean, that's the game right there, and the game I thought was over when the score was you know twenty-four nothing. But I mean, come on. I mean, I understand that you know as a Jet fan, you're happy that this team was two and zero to begin with. But the NFL is week to week, man. When you have an opportunity to win a game and you let that one slip the way they did, that's frustrating. I don't care who you are, what fan base you root for, what team you support. It doesn't matter. This game was right there for the Jets, and now you can say, oh, they're going to go kill Miami next week in London. But I don't know that. We all thought that they were going to do well against the Eagles because the Eagles looked like a dumpster fire coming into today's game. And how did that one work out? The Jets were handed a football game today, and they couldn't take advantage of it, and that's incredibly disappointing. It was incredibly disappointing, and again, the quarterback play hurts the Jets once again. Uh, uh, same story, different quarterback. And it was Ryan Fitzpatrick today, who's been pretty good through the first two games uh, against the Browns and against the Colts on on Monday night. But, I mean, tonight, whether it was a short week, I don't know what the case may be, but he was awful. He was just terrible. And the play calling, the third down play calling. I mean, uh, Chan Gailey, come on. Third and two, they're third and four. They're running yeah, screen passes. They're, they're not getting to the sticks. I mean, the the third down play calling was terrible. The third down play calling was atrocious today. And I gave Chan Gailey a lot of credit on Monday, uh, after Monday night's game, for testing, going downfield, extending the football downfield, and running a lot of nice plays to open up receivers in the passing game. Oh, they didn't do any of that today. Was it because Eric Decker wasn't on the field? I don't know. I think that played a part into it. But, oh my God, the third down play calls today were atrocious. Were atrocious. Third and seven. Even on like third and ten, they give it up. They run a draw play. On third and ten, they want to draw a play. Then third and sixteen, they're you know they're throwing they the screen passes. They give themselves up. You can't in the National Football League. I mean, I've watched a lot of football. You can't afford to give yourself up on third down, and for the lot, it's unmanageable. And it's like it was a field position game, but at the same time, man, the Jets didn't take advantage of any opportunities they had on the football field today. No, you're right. And what angers me the most about this Jets team today. A, the offense, we talked about it, but you're right. The play calling today was terrible, terrible, especially in that first half. The Jets had one first down up until their final drive of the first half. One first down. You're not going to beat anyone that way. I don't care who you're playing. And what was annoying, and you're absolutely right, what they were doing with the play calling. How many times on third and short? 
third and manageable? Were they running guys that were running near the sticks? How about drop back and throw over the middle you know to your big body wide receivers? And they didn't do that, and it wasn't like the offensive line was terrible today. Fitzpatrick had time, and he missed a lot of open well, that guys. that was the point I was going to make, is we've seen before uh, with Brian Schottenheimer and Marty Morningweb when they've been the offensive coordinator Tremendous coordinators, coordinators here. tremendous. Uh, terrible <laughs> play calls. But I think the difference was is that, you know, maybe Gino at times last year didn't have a lot of time, whether it was Vic and Sanchez a lot didn't have a lot of time. You hit the nail right on the head. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a lot of time to throw in the pocket, and a lot of times he rushed himself today. For whatever reason, he really rushed a lot of his throws today. And it happened a lot when, you know, there was an open play call. The play Jeremy Curley made the one-handed catch and couldn't get two feet inbounds. That's a throw you got to make. I mean, there was no pressure in the pocket. He had time to look downfield, time to look down the sidelines. you got to make that type of throw. There was one other throw. I don't remember who it was to. I think it was to Cumberland down the seam where he just overshot him. And if he hit him, he probably would have had a 20, 35-yard game. Game. I don't remember exactly when it was in the game. I believe it was late in the first half. There was a, there was just so many play calls and so many times today. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jake, just looked rushed in the pocket. He just looked like he was trying to like like he didn't have a lot of time. He was moving out of. He just never looked comfortable today. He never looked comfortable, and that is different than we've seen him against the Browns and even against uh, the Colts on Monday night. He didn't make great throws on Monday night. But it was a lot better than today. Today was a really bad, an F performance by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, absolutely. And the thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick is he kind of resembled a guy that, you know, is starting games for a six-career NFL team. There's a reason. He's either good or bad, and today he was bad. And the Jets needed him to be average. And that's well, what that, we've always said. Well, they need him to be average, and he couldn't do I that I was today. just about to say, he gave an F performance. If he gave a D-plus, the Jets win the game. That's how bad the Eagles it, were. Well, that, the Eagles, the Eagles, in all seriousness, and the Eagles are a very talented football team. They have played three awful games. They are lucky to be one and two. And they I'll should say, be zero and three. They should have lost this game. No question. And I'll say this: you look at the Jets, right? What they did on third down today, they were 7 of 17 on third down, and that's pretty skewed because they were awful in that first half on third down. So they were bad on third down. They turned the football over four times. They allowed seven points on special teams with the field goal returned by Sproles. And despite all that, they were in a position at the end of this football game only down three points. They ended up losing by 24-17. They lost by a touchdown. And despite everything that happened, the difference in this game came down to that special teams play by Darren Sproles. Came down to other things as well. But despite how bad the Jets played, the Eagles didn't play great. The Jets let one get away. It's and you a, could it's say very disappointing. it's only week three. You know, you move on. You're playing the Dolphins next week. I don't want to hear that. Because the bottom line is the NFL, it's hard to win. I don't care what team you are, man. Unless you're the Patriots, you're playing the Jaguars. It's tough to win A in this league. out there. Oh. Tough one for the Pats. Oh, of course. They really had to sweat it out with their second bye week they're going to have this season. But anyway, it's tough to win in this league, man. And you can't let wins get away. The Jets, as bad as they play, this game was right there. And you made a great point. Brian Fitzpatrick had an F performance today. If he gave you a D or a C minus, probably win the game. The Jets win this football game, man. If he doesn't throw, you know, one less interception, they turn one of those interceptions into a, a scoring drive. That's a, that's the difference in this game, and it's so frustrating because the defense, you know, in the first half they looked shaky, but in the second half they pitched their shutout. What do you want from this team? And you know what? We talked Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got to be average. He couldn't do that today, and that was frustrating. And I'm sure getting Eric Decker back will help this team. 
but you know what? That's not an excuse. You know, they have that's enough. That's not an excuse. De- they, they have, have enough there. Receiver. Come then on. they should win this game. They, you know, I understand Decker's not there, and maybe you see a little more double team on Brandon Marshall, and you did see that today. But come on, man, it, it was just a putrid performance. You saw a lot more of Jeremy Curley. I like Jeremy Curley, but at the same time, they just did the. I felt like rather than the personnel they had on the field being the issue. The issue was just the fact I thought the play calling today was atrocious. I, I thought it was atrocious. And the only knock on the defense from today that I could really give, Eagles' first two games, 70 rushing yards in two weeks. 70 rushing yards they had today. That same amount in the first half. The Jets did not do a good job stopping the run today. And even that was not the difference in the football game. No, you know what? It's tough to get on the Jets' defense. I could get on them and say they didn't get to the quarterback there enough. Because uh, Bradford they... had a lot of time. But you know what? When you pitch a shutout in the second half and you lose 24-17 and you turn the football over four times, I'm sorry. That's not on this defense. The defense gave you a chance to win today. They forced that big turnover when they had to. I thought it was interesting listening to the broadcast. John Lynch made the point when that before that drive was about to begin when the Jets were trailing by 10. And he said, this is where a great defense will find a way to get a stop. And the Jets got that stop. They forced that fumble. They picked up the football. Got they it, had the ball inside points, the Eagles' territory, deep inside their territory. And the very first play after that, Fitzpatrick drops back, pass gets tipped, and he gets intercepted. And you know what? The Jets' defense, they proved that they're a big-time defense. They made the stops when they had to. They pitched a shutout in the second half against what's supposed to be one of the best offenses in football. But that doesn't matter because as well as they played in the second half, the offense was just putrid. And it was disgusting to watch out there today. I tweeted it earlier, but I'll say it again. It burned my eyes watching Ryan Fitzpatrick drop back 58 times. And I understand, Dan, that Chris Ivory wasn't healthy, and maybe you didn't feel comfortable going to him. But you got to give the ball to power, Stacy, a little bit. You can't have Ryan Fitzpatrick throw 58 times. You're not going to beat anyone that way. No, I agree. And, and again, this is an offense that is not built around Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's built around running the football. It's still built around running the football, working the play action, and getting the ball to your big-time receivers, whether it be Decker, obviously he wasn't there today, or Brandon Marshall. And you know what annoys me about Ivory? We hear he's questionable, he's questionable. And this morning, uh, he's going to play. He's, he's going to play. He didn't really play. He wasn't a factor. He didn't get a handoff. He didn't get a game. Come on. And, and you know what? The Jets really, the lack of, they have a, a lack of depth at running back. There is a significant drop-off between Chris Ivory and Bilal Powell. I like Powell, but he is not an every down back. And it really hurt them today. Stacy can't run the football consistently. He's too big. He's not, a, he's not, he got, he guy's more of a build like a fullback than a running back. They, they don't have a, a, a complimentary back to Chris Ivory. And you know what? It kind of went unnoticed through the first two games. But on a day where you could have used that back, it really hurt them today because they really relied too much on Ryan Fitzpatrick. They threw the ball 58 times. 58 times. They should not be throwing the ball 58 times in a football game. That is not how this team's going to win. If the Je- That's not how they won the first two weeks. They're, if the Jets throw the ball 58 times every game, they will lose every game. They will not win a game if they're throwing the ball 58 times. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that you want to limit to maybe 30 passes a game. I mean, 58 times? I mean, not all elite quarterbacks throw the ball 58 times. And it certainly doesn't help when, you know, in the first half, 
you only have one first down entering your final drive of the I first mean, half. Need, I mean, until that last drive when they scored that touchdown, which, oh, my God, it was about time. They were so anemic moving the football. They couldn't move it. They couldn't move it. And when they set themselves up, I thought the Jets did a pretty nice job today on second down, setting themselves up for the most part in the first half with decent third down opportunities. Again, goes back to the point. The third down play calling, you just reiterate, it was atrocious. It the, was awful. I'll tell you what, Dan. The screens, they got to stop. I'm tired of watching these bubble they, screens. They don't even block them. They're not even well-designed well screens. See, and the problem is, is this. You're going to run these running back screens. Who's the fast running back that can take you off field? You they don't, don't have, have They don't have that change of pace speed guy, that Shane Vereen type, that Darren Sproles type. They don't have that on this team. And Shane Gailey keeps calling plays thinking that Ivory, when he's healthy, or Bilal Powell, or Zach Stacy are those type of running backs, and they're simply not. So when Ryan Fitzpatrick is dropping back on third down and he's throwing short, not even to the sticks. That's another example of bad play calling. You have Brandon Marshall. You have receivers. Jeremy Carley, I thought, played pretty well today when he saw the field for the first time this year in real meaningful action. Caught a touchdown. Had six catches. You have some targets on this football team, even without Eric Decker. And the Jets, they didn't take advantage of it, especially in that first half. They allowed themselves to get down 24 nothing. And even though they made it a game in the second half, you know, even before they blew it late in that second half, it was a game. I mean, this game was over when it was 24 nothing. What team comes back down 24 nothing? It, it doesn't. It's ha- almost it, impossible no, it, to do. It is. It is. And and again, it, it's amazing. They actually, they like you said, they had the opportunity to do so, but they they just couldn't take advantage. Which is more of a testament to how bad the Eagles are than well, how good this Jets team. Well, that's is. what I was about to say is that the Eagles just and it was so frustrating because if you're gonna get beat. I mean, you want to get beat by a team that's just a better team than you. You don't want to lose a game. And I'm not saying the Eagles won't eventually be a better team than the Jets. Uh, you know, I think the Eagles are very talented and still trying to get everything together. But they did not play well today. And it was, I mean, it was so frustrating to watch that game as a Jets fan and say, you know, the Jets can play with these guys. Here we come into the season and we hear, oh, the Eagles this and the Eagles that. And Chip Kelly's the mastermind of doing whatever. I God only knows. But, you know, he's the mastermind. They bring in <laughs> Sam Bradford and... You know, I mean, Sam Bradford looked very mediocre. Uh, you know, they, I thought for the most part offensively they looked pretty mediocre. When they had good field position, they took advantage of it, like a, like a decent team should do. The Jets, again, that turnover they had late to really get back in this football game, first play they give it right back. And that was just uh, uh, a summary of the Jets' afternoon today. It was It was a bad afternoon, and coming off two good wins and one really good win on Monday night, Feeling good, Jet fans. Feeling great. I was feeling great. I was feeling great. I thought the Jets were going to win today. I really did. And here they give a, a terrible performance down 24 nothing, just like that. And it was it was bad. And again, the two the two plays that really were the dagger was the punt return by Darren Sproles to make it 10 nothing, and then that ridiculous flip by by Brandon Marshall, which resulted in a touchdown scoring drive. That's 14 points that could have been avoided. 14 points. You cannot give a football team, and you can the worst team in the league. You cannot give at them 14 points. No, and the Jets did that. And at the end of the day, this game is right there. That's what's frustrating. I understand that we would have said that we said before the season started that we want them to be two and two going into the bye week. And at the worst, oh, the I, Jets are going to be two and two. But you know what? Expectations change when you start two and zero, oh, and you beat the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football, and you force 10 turnovers. In two games, your expectations change. 
And you know what? This game was right there for this Jets team today, and they squandered the opportunity because the Philadelphia Eagles, they might turn out to be a really good football team, but for at least today and for at least the first two games of this year going into today, they've been awful. Not good, not bad, awful. They were terrible. And the Jets, they made them look foolish defensively in that second half. And they couldn't take advantage of it offensively because they had Ryan Fitzpatrick drop back 58 times today, and he just didn't have it. They didn't have it on the running game either. And besides really Brandon Marshall and a couple plays from Jeremy Curley, no one else really stepped up. Not a tight end, not Stonehands Cumberland, who had a couple drops. Not any of these other receivers. You know, Anunwa had another drop today, of course. That's three drops in three games for that man. No one else stepped up, and that's that can't happen. I don't care if you're playing the worst team in the league, as you were saying, or you're playing the best team. If you're going to commit the turnovers, you're going to turn the ball over four times, and you're going to allow you know, a punt return on special teams, you're not beating anyone. And how about at the end of the game, Jake? They're down by a touchdown. There's a minute, two minutes left in the game, right after the two-minute warning. Jets held them on third down. Looks like the Eagles are going to have to punt. The Jets are going to have an opportunity after all this. Jets are going to have an opportunity with probably would have been a little over a minute to go. I'm not saying they would have scored, but another a boneheaded penalty committed by the great Quinton Copels to gift wrap an unnecessary roughness play. Oh, no, illegal hands to the face outside the fo- on the far left hash on, a, on an offensive lineman, nowhere near the play, and gift wrap the first down, and that sealed the deal. One knee and it's over. So even after everything, after everything, the Jets would have gotten the ball back with about 50, a minute left. I'm not saying they would have scored. But it gives you a chance. But it gives you a chance. It gives you a chance. And that was kind of just Quinn Copel, the, the icing penalty, on the cake. It was the icing on the cake, and it was just like, I can't believe I spent three-plus hours watching this on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, and it, it was really just, it was frustrating. And you know what's very frustrating? I thought we were past this. I really did. You know, I know you, know, you, you don't want to look too much on the two games, but I thought if the Jets were going to lose today, they would play well, and the Eagles would get things together. They would play. Oh, I didn't think they turned the ball over four times. I thought we were past these games. I really did. I thought under Todd Bowles, the Jets would be ready to play. They came out today and looked bad. You know, I understand it's a short week. Guys are banged up. But that's a reflection on the coaching staff as well, getting this team ready to play. And they did a better job in the second half, especially defensively, obviously, pitching the shutout. But this Jets team early on, they took a punch to the mouth, and they weren't ready to play. And that's inexcusable. Yeah, and uh, you you don't want to make an excuse for a short week, but it was a short week. But, you know, Todd Bowles has to have his team ready to go because at home against a Philadelphia uh, Eagles team that is that is very athletic, one of the most athletic teams in the National Football League, you've got to be ready on special teams, and you've got to be ready uh, offensively to make some plays. I mean, you've got to make some plays. You've got to make some plays offensively, move the ball down the field. And the Jets really just couldn't move the ball downfield, and especially in the first half, because this game was won in the first half. I mean, you you said it. It can't make up twenty. It's very difficult to make up twenty four points. You know what this game felt it. like? This game felt like the two thousand ten game. You know. And you know what the did. final score of that game was? Twenty four nineteen. What happened in that game? They shut out the Steelers in the second half. The Jets shut out the Eagles in the second half today and came up with touchdown short. I think short. the only difference when you talk about that game, and I said that I, I was thinking about the same thing um, after the game, is that that day. In the second half, the Jets played significantly better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, 
this in the second half, I mean, offensively, they didn't really play that much better than the Eagles. The Eagles played like trash. I mean, the Eagles played like Both trash. Both teams were bad. Both teams were bad. That, I mean, that AFC Championship game, if the Jets got one more drive, they would have won the game. That's how well they were rolling offensively. That was the hottest you probably will ever see Mark Sanchez play. He was play. so hot in that second half. And the difference was today, I mean, Fitzpatrick, just you, just when you thought maybe Fitz is getting in a groove, completing a couple of passes, moving the ball down. He would turn it over. Jets scored it's, touchdowns. It was brutal. It's 24-14. They get the turnover. And you, the pick, I mean, the interceptions. It's the same old Jets. the same old story. The interceptions killed the Jets today. And, you know, the D, I think, I forget the stat they showed, but... What they say that uh, Fitzpatrick quarterback rating is like 40 points less when he's throwing the ball over 15 yards. I mean, he threw that play, that pass to Devin Smith today uh, in the end zone for one of his interceptions, and that ball was so under. See, that was the problem, too. When Fitz wasn't even turning the ball over, he was missing guys that had a step on the deep route. And one thing that concerns me about Fitzpatrick, and I do think he's still a better option than Geno Smith. I'm not ready to pull the I plug. I agree with you. If you're going to make a change at quarterback, and we'll talk more about this after the break, if you're going to make a change at the quarterback position, you're going to do so after the bye week which is in two weeks, if that's the case. I'm not ready to do that at all. You're going to London this week. Fitzpatrick's going to be your starter, and Bull said after the game, he's going to be this team's starting quarterback, and he should be. But I'll say this. What teams are doing against the Jets, they're putting eight guys in the box, and they're saying, go beat us over the top. And under them, Brandon Marshall, they don't really have a guy that could stretch the field and beat you, and it's not even that the Jets don't have the talent to do it. It's the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have the arm strength to do it. And they're daring the Jets to take shots downfield. And we saw today that when Ryan Fitzpatrick would do so, he would miss guys that would have a step he on the DBs. a lot of open receivers. The today. Jets, if they could convert on one or two of those deep balls down the sideline, they get seven points that they needed to tie this game up. And who knows, maybe they win the game. It was very, again, he missed a lot of receivers. He did not play well. And he said it after the game. that they, they just did not play well offensively. He took a lot of the heat. They didn't play well offensively. I didn't like the game plan. I didn't like the way they were approaching the running game. You know, Bilal Powell, 10 carries for 31 yards. The Jets got to run the ball more than that if they're going to beat the Eagles, if they're going to beat a team like the Eagles. they they got to run the ball more than that. It concerns me that they can't run the ball, but I think a lot of it has to do not so much with the offensive line or the running backs. Teams aren't afraid of Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing down the field. They're saying, all right, you want to you wanna throw down the field? We'll let you, but we're not letting you run the football. Beat us down the field. And today, he tried to throw to Devin Smith. He tried to throw to Brandon Marshall down the field. Anything more than 20 yards, it was an incompletion. He could, Did he, the Jets complete a single pass for more than you know, 20, 25 and, yards maximum today? And he did, I don't well, think they did. No, I don't think they did either. And the thing was is that just you, you said it, the arm strength of Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there to make those big-time throws downfield. We saw in Indianapolis he wasn't converting on those routes. But the difference was in Indianapolis, he was hitting everyone else. Today, he wasn't hitting anyone. And he was making poor mistakes in the pocket. And, again, he just looked a little rushed. He didn't look like he was comfortable because there was really no – he didn't have that much pressure in his face. I thought the Jets' offensive line did a tremendous job in pass protection. And how many balls are going to get tipped at the line of scrimmage? I mean, that's something that concerns me, too. Ryan Fitzpatrick, every time the guy drops back, it seems like a ball's getting batted well, in the air. Well, that's one of two issues. And, again, you really have to look at the film. That's either poor job by the offensive line or – it's just Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not making, tall enough. Or he's not tall enough, and he's not. He's just not getting. The, he's not getting his throws over anyone. That just shows me his arm slots low. And so it's one of the. Or two he's got to pump fake a guy off him. He's got to do something because well, that can't happen. And again, it just felt like, and, and that goes back to what I was saying. It felt like he was a little rushed today. I don't know why there was no pressure. He had a lot of time to throw, but a lot of his decisions seemed like they were rushed. You mentioned it. He wasn't pump faking off any linebackers. He wasn't. He just wasn't comfortable in the pocket today. 
and it was a big reason why the Jets lost and why they couldn't take advantage of any opportunities the Eagles gave them because, let's be honest here, the Jets gave the game to the Eagles, and the Eagles gave it right back to the Jets, and the Jets couldn't take advantage Both of it. Both teams said, who wants to win today? And I guess time ran out, and the Eagles were the team that won. That's, that's really what this game was in that second half. It was a very poorly played football game by both teams. I, I, it was a sloppy, sloppy game, and... It's disappointing with three hours of our lives. We'll never get back. It's disappointing because the way the Jets played on Monday night against the Colts and the way the offense looked, it didn't look like that today against a lesser opponent, in my opinion. So, I mean, the Jets have to go back to the drawing board. They go to London. Big travel week. Which concerns me because this idea that, oh, they're playing Miami and London, well, that kind of goes out the window a little bit because both teams are traveling across the pond to play a football game. Then we're gonna have to wake up here in, in you know East Coast time at nine thirty in the morning to watch. Oh, which I'm just yeah. thrilled about. It's gonna be brutal. I mean, again, and we said, you know what's so funny, Jake? We said about a year ago, man, I hope the Jets never play a London game, and here we are. They gotta play a London game. And so, and again, they have to be ready. They cannot. Uh, look, and it's against the Dolphins too. And when the Jets play in Miami, it's basically a Jets home game anyway. And that's a good point too. A lot of Jet fans head out to uh, Sun Life Stadium out there, the newly renovated now Sun Life. And how about the Dolphins today? Oh. Boy, we'll get to that. But they by the Buffalo Bills. Oh my goodness! Rex continuing left off in Miami. I think Tyrod Taylor had a perfect quarterback rating today. That's all you need to know about the Miami Dolphins right now. I mean, people poured out of the place by halftime. It was embarrassing in Miami today. The Dolphins were awful. Joe Philbin's getting fired. uh, And just on a separate note, we'll head back to the Jets. But you mentioned it. If Joe, if that team does not make the playoffs, Joe Philbin is gone. He's gone. He's out of here. But just going back to the Jets, you mentioned it. Got to go to London to play. The Dolphins, and they have, they, I mean, it, you know what's disappointing is because, like, you after the way they started, you want to say, all right, 2-0, and maybe you could get the Eagles, they're not playing well, 3-0, and and then the London game, if you don't win it, it's tough, you're going to London, and you don't know how you're necessarily going to come out and play long travel, might be a little tired, might be a little fatigued, might not have that energy. I mean, you want to win this game, you don't want to be 2-2, two and two. you want to be 3-1, and one. And, th- and against a divisional opponent like Miami, you want to beat them. You want to beat them, and the Jets have to come out with more energy. They have to come out with a better game plan offensively, and they have to have an approach. They did not have an approach of what they wanted to do today on the offensive side of the ball. Were they trying to run the ball? Were they going to pass the ball? Uh, were they dumping the screen routes out and then poor blocks on the screens? And I mean, they, they couldn't do anything today offensively. Very disappointing, but they got to. They have to come out with more life in London. It, it is going to be inexcusable if they play like this again. 607-274-1842, the number to call. We're open up our phone lines, talk about the New York football Jets, and we'll get to the rest of the NFL right after this. It's the Azure Budic Show. We're on till midnight right here on VIC Radio. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. You are listening to the Asman and Butte podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. John in Lansing, Michigan. You want to talk about the Jets. John, what's going on? What's up, John? So, Jake, I, um heard you went on a little Jets rant earlier, so what exactly did you take, did you take from this game today? Well, I took a couple things. One, Ryan Fitzpatrick can never throw 58 times if the Jets want to win a game. Two, you turn the ball over four times. I don't care who it is. 
you're going to have a hard time winning. And three, this one's more about the Eagles. The Jets played terrible today, and the Eagles only won by seven, and seven of those points that they scored came off a Darren Sproles special team score. I don't think the Eagles are that good. They might turn out to be a better team than the Jets when it's all said and done. But through at least three games now, the Eagles are a train wreck. They're not playing well. They got the win today. You move on. But I think that speaks more about how bad the Eagles are than what the Jets did today. Because the Eagles should have won by a lot more than just seven points. I get it. It's the NFL. You take the win. But, you know, a couple things on the Jets I just mentioned. But the Eagles themselves, they didn't impress me at all today. And I think at the end of the day, that division that they're in is wide open with the Giants and the Cowboys still doing their thing in the awful NFC East. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, the, you take from the Jets game just the fact that offensively, this the game plan was poor, and Jake said it. You can't have Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball 58 times. They're not going to beat anyone. We said it at the beginning of the show. The Jets will not beat any team in this league if they're not running the football and their starting running back has 10 carries for 31 yards and Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball 58 times. They're okay, not going to beat did anyone. You guys, did, you guys, did you guys really expect their offense to be good? Coming into the season, they beat the Browns. That was a, that was you know what? I agree, I, they, I agree the defense, with you. I, the defense I, did look really good. And then no, no. last week against the Colts, they were able to establish a good running game, and then Fitzpatrick was able to do a better job because if the defense was cool, then the Colts' defense was bad. The Eagles' defense is good. The front seven, when you have the linebackers, Connor Barwin, Nico. I'm Ryan, not saying their Jets. I'm not saying their defense isn't good. I think it's a very talented defense. But when it came to throwing the ball over the top down the field, Ryan Fitzpatrick had open receivers and he just missed his targets. And he did not question. play what, an efficient what, what football game. What do you project game. their record to be this season? I think. Eight, do, how do you think they're going to finish? I think the Jets and I'll stick to my guns at the beginning of the season. I think they will finish eight and eight or nine and seven. And the reason I say that around 500 is because I worry about this offense for days like today. When Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball too much, they're not running the football, and the game plan's atrocious, and this is a typical Jets loss. I mean, today, I mean, Jake will say it, today is a typical, a, a prototypical New York Jets loss over the last seven years. And I'll tell you what, going into today, I felt better about last week's game than I did about today. Call me crazy, but it's just, I guess I've seen this team play enough games over yeah, the years. Because the, the Colts' defense is not very good. If the Jets aren't, it seems to me after today that if they aren't able to establish a running game in their future games this season, then they'll be in deep trouble. Well, see, you're right, and the problem is, and I made this point before, I'll say it again, teams are putting eight guys in the box to stop the Jets. They know they stop the Jets' run. Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown you he's not able to beat you over the top. His arm isn't strong enough, and he's got to work on that, whether it's you know shortening up the routes, throwing in a pump fake or two. Guys are open, and he's missing them. So he's got to find a way to get the football in the proper spot because teams are stacking the box and daring him to take a chance downfield. And today, we saw it any time the Jets tried to throw deep to Marshall, Anunwa, Curley, it didn't matter. Those passes sailed incomplete, and, and one play in particular, Devin Smith was wide open in the end zone, had his man beat by a step or two, and he just underthrew it, and that ended up being an interception. Devin Smith looked like the guy on defense on that particular play. I forget who picked it off for the Eagles, but that was a big play in the game. And listen, at the end of the day, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions today. One of them wasn't his fault. You know, it was off Brandon Marshall's fingertips. But the bottom line is you're not going to win when you turn the ball over four times. And if your quarterback's dropping back 58 times, I mean, that's an indictment on your running game, and that's bad play calling. I don't think Chan Gailey did a good job as the coordinator of the offense today. I think that they're going to – it's still early. They're 2-1. and one. They have a big game against Miami, so they're going to they're gonna struggle this week. And Dominic Sue is going to clog up any hole that Ivory or 
or whoever else. It's Powell, right? They also have Bilal Powell. Bilal Powell, and he was their premier yeah. back today. If they, if it, either of them, they're, they're going to have to establish a running game, but it's still early, early in the season. It's week three. They're two and one. The AFC is not very good. If they can make adjustments with Todd Bowles, I think Bowles is a very good coach, then maybe they can they, they can make adjustments. Like, look at the Eagles last week. Their offensive line played atrocious. And then in practice this week, they made those adjustments. And today it wasn't as bad. Ryan Matthews ran, ran, ran for over 100 yards. I'm not doubting that they're going to make adjustments. I'm not doubting the defense. I'm not doubting Coach Bowles. What I'm doubting is the fact that when the Jets are faced with adversity and not everything goes the way they need to, and that's running the football and working the play action, that they can't rely and that they don't have the quarterback that can make some throws that, you know, you need an NFL quarterback to make some of the throws that Ryan Fitzpatrick just missed on today. And I was a little disappointed in the fact that he that he just wasn't as efficient. And I said this before. He just didn't look comfortable in the pocket. It wasn't like the Eagles were bringing a lot of pressure. I thought the Jets did a particularly good job protecting him. But for whatever reason, he was rushed. He was flustered in the pocket. And he just made a lot of poor decisions. And I'll say this, too. I'm not concerned necessarily about the Jets being you know a team that's just going to collapse and not win another football game. The bottom line is, though, this game was so winnable for this team, and it's one thing if you get outplayed. I don't think the Eagles really outplayed the Jets. I think the Jets beat themselves. They turned over the ball four times. Their quarterback dropped back 58 times. They gave the Eagles 14 points off, seven of them from the pump return by Sproles, the other seven coming from the Brandon Marshall, I don't know what I'm doing, lateral of the century play, whatever that was. That was brutal. So at the end of the day, yes, they lost to a non-division opponent. If they beat Miami next week, they go three and one into the bye. And obviously, before the year, if you told me, "Hey, Jake, the Jets could be three and one into the bye week," would you take it? Of course, I'd say yes. But they squandered a big opportunity today, and if they're not able to rebound next week, and they're now two and two in the bye week, though I would have taken it at the start of the season. When you start two and zero, oh, and this game was as winnable as it was. That's going to frustrate me, so a lot of how I feel about the Jets going forward will depend on how they do in Miami next week. Or excuse me, me in London you, next week. I don't think that the Jets beat themselves. I think when you talk about the Darren Sproles punt return, he's had a few with the Eagles. The Eagles work on their special teams. It's a part of football. It's, that's a big play. Yeah, they miss tackles. Uh, they, come on. They miss. I'm they not, miss I count six not, tackles. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not taking anything away from the, I'm not taking anything away from the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not taking anything away from the Philadelphia Eagles, John. I'm not. I'm not. I, yeah. I'm not but taking also, anything away also, from the Eagles. Yeah, the I'm play, just the saying. The Marshall play was dumb, but let's just face it. They exposed Ryan Fitzpatrick. Couldn't I, no, 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 I agree with you. The, the Eagles had a good approach. They stuffed the box and said, Fitz, if, if you're going to beat us over the top, try to beat us over the top, and then he couldn't do it. But from a, a standpoint of just the way the game unfolded, the play calling I thought was atrocious. Yeah, that was not good. Uh, you know, the third down play calling, John, it was brutal. It was brutal. I mean, I was, I, 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 had, I had nausea. I was thought I was going to throw up. It was brutal. <laughs> and I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles. I threw a chair. I'm not a chair, an open water bottle. It was, it was, it was. <laughs> that was my bed, by the way. I'm sorry. It was, I, it was, <laughs> I, was, I was very upset. It, it was in the moment. I understand. But I spilled the water bottle on Dan for those who weren't there to witness it. it, it, it listen, it happens. But the bottom line is, John, I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles. But when the Jets missed six tackles, six tackles? They missed six tackles on a, on a, on a punt return? Come on, man. You're not, you're not going to beat teams in the NFL when you make these and kinds it, of it's mistakes. It's not like they got killed. They, what's frustrating, see, it's one thing if they get blown out and everything goes wrong. And thanks for the call, John. You made some excellent points. But the problem is this. 
they were in a situation where despite how bad they played, they only lost by seven. So if they just cleaned up a little bit, they win this game easily. That's what's frustrating. I hate these games more than when the games you get killed. Last year, the Jets were in a lot of games where they just got their doors blown off. And I said, you know what? This team's terrible. The heck with it. This game was right there, and this team should be past this. That's my whole point. They should be past the four turnovers on offense. They should be past the penalties. They should be past the bad challenges by a head coach. That, that was a brutal I mean, challenge. That doesn't get talked about. And it about. cost you time out at the end of the half. They're lucky they scored, but that cost you time at the end of the half. I mean, we should be past all these things. That's my point. And you know what? If the Jets go in, into London next week and they beat the Dolphins, who are dumpster fire right now, of course I'll be happy at 3-1. and one. But it kills me because this game was there for the taking, and you don't give away football games in the NFL. You don't because it's hard to win in this league, and if you're right there and able to get a win, you better take it. And the Jets were right there, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't take advantage of any opportunities. And we reiterate some of these points, but you can't stress it enough. When you make these kinds of mistakes in the National Football League, Against anyone, nevertheless, a pretty good team that has struggled, but it's still a good football team. That's probably going to be a good football team at the end of the year. Not playing that well right now in the Philadelphia Eagles. You're not going to beat anyone. You're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat them when you play like this. And they really just need to, uh, they just really need to improve. And they have a lot of work to do before they go to London. You are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Back here on VIC Radio, the Asman and Butik show. Dan Butik alongside. Jake Asman, talked a little Jets, talked a little baseball. Really, wherever the show is taking us a disappointing loss, 24-17 to the Philadelphia Eagles today for the New York Jets. We're going to go out to the phone lines. Dan in Ithaca. Dan, what's up? I believe Sam in Ithaca is the name. I, it was a little, maybe a little miscommunication on the phone lines. That's All right, okay. Sam. That's sorry, that's Sam in Ithaca. Sam, what's up, it's, Sam? It's, it isn't, Dan. It is okay. I don't want to just take your name. That's my name. But nonetheless, you know, for you guys, as Jets fans, you're looking at the uh, you know the scope of the AFC East. Obviously, the Pats sit where they sit. There's no need to talk about that. But Dolphins and the Bills matching up today. And Dan, I don't know about you, but the Dolphins they were atrocious. They were a train wreck today, Sam. I mean, the, they were an absolute train wreck. They were awful. And, and they've been they've been they've been average for all these years. You saw maybe with Sue coming in. You know, Tannehill getting the big money. They added some weapons around him. Granted, they're not all healthy. Cameron Wake hasn't been where he needs to be. That's one of the best defensive pass rushers in the league. But they got smacked. At home. Sam, at home. It was ridiculous. They made Tyrod Taylor look like, you know, Tom Brady out there. I think Tyrod Taylor finished with a perfect quarterback rating. It was was an embarrassing performance, and that's what uh, Coach Philbin said. It was just an embarrassing game for them. Personally, I think Coach Philbin's an embarrassing coach. Well, you know what, Sam? Uh, you know, you, he, did, he, you listen to the show, Dan. You know my thoughts. He's he's it's, a, he's awful. he's out of here at the end of the season. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, I mean, the last couple of years they've had opportunities to be in the playoff. They just haven't been able to get in for whatever reasons. A lot of it, the Jets been able to stop them. This last game was twenty-seven nothing at the, the half. Season. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. Think a lot, honestly, when I think, think about it, Sam, if when you, if, when if, if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, Philbin is out this year. I they've mean, given him a lot of a lot of legs here. But they're not going to make the playoffs. Here's the thing. He's gone at the end a of the year. A lot of what you look at, a lot of what you look at is how they ended up, and I think a lot of that has to do with with the eight and eights and coming close. A lot of it has to do with the division. The Jets haven't been where they need to be the past couple of years. It's a fair the point. The Bills have been all right, but the Bills are looking like a decent team. 
the Jets have a – obviously, you guys know what to expect with the Jets. They can play. They're competitive. The Dolphins at this point are definitely the worst team in the division, and how are they going to win enough games to get in the playoffs, honestly? Well, Just look at that team. I don't see a way – it's just three games in. This is a little ridiculous. And you know what, Sam? The funny thing is, a lot of people were very high on the Dolphins coming into the season. Last year and this year. A lot of people high on, on Tannehill becoming, taking that next step. He's going to have to take that next step if they want to win. And on the defensive side of the ball, what do you talk about the last couple of years? How good their defensive front is, how good their uh, their defense is. And it was awful today. And, they, and it wasn't like they were playing world beaters out there. Tyrod Taylor is making his third career NFL start. A, six, a, a former sixth-round pick. I think I think your start is running the ball. I mean, the, you have Lamar Miller, a guy, thousand-yard rusher last year. He got the rock seven times today. Again, a lot of that because they were down. But week one, he got it thirteen times. Week two, ten carries. If you want to be a good team, you have to run the ball. And the best part about this is Joe Philbin, his whole claim to fame, offensive coordinator in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? Mike McCarthy was the one calling the plays all these years. Aaron Rodgers is Joe your quarterback, Philbin. so it is. I uh, no, no, it's all relative and. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback there, and they don't have Aaron Rodgers. But I'll say this in too: even just looking at the Dolphins the previous years, this team has talent, and they continue to underachieve. They do. You look at what they did two years ago; they had a chance when they get into the playoffs, and they let a pretty mediocre Jets team two years ago go into Miami and beat them handily. Same thing last year. They had an outside chance at the playoffs, and the Jets went in there, a team that only won three games the entire season going into that final game, and the Jets once again beat them handily, led by Geno Smith in both games, believe it or not. But once again, Joe Philbin has talent on this team, and the past couple years they've underperformed. This year you could say they're banged up, their game planning has been bad, but when you're at home and you let the Buffalo Bills, who were really outclassed for most of their game last week against the Patriots, put up 41 points on your defense, I mean, come on, how do you be down 27 nothing at the half? That's unacceptable. Here's the, here's the thing, looking big picture at the Dolphins, you think about a team like this, there were some there were some spurts in there the past, you know, few years. There was that year they won the division when Brady was out and Castle was in a queue. And there were some good teams they've had. They've been solid, they've been fine, but they really haven't been competitive. Competitive in the sense where you can really think of this team as going anywhere more than maybe the wild card in the playoffs in a very long time. This is a team, this is a fan base. They haven't seen a lot of they haven't seen much of anything in a while. He had a few years where Ricky Williams was setting the league on fire. Then whatever happened with him happened with him. But this organization, man, they've no, they've been San Marino. It's really no, you it's make really it... a sorry thing for a fan base to have to deal with. It's not fun being a Dolphins fan. Sam, I Sam, thanks so much for the call. Really appreciate it. And you know, the the bottom line is is the Miami Dolphins just have been one of those teams, along with the Buffalo Bills, that have just been pretty irrelevant outside of a couple of years for the last. You know, 10 or so years. But, again, you know, expectations were pretty high coming into the season. They signed Adamic and Sue. You know, they have Wake in there at defense. They're a very strong defensive team, and today they just got beat bad. They're 0-3. They need better play. 1-2. Oh, 1-2, excuse me. They need better play. But, I mean, let's look at this team. Play. And last week, they lost to That's uh, the Jacksonville say. Jaguars. They lost to I mean, Did you not see the Jaguars play today? They, they stink. Yeah, let's put it in perspective for a second. They lost to the Jaguars a week ago. The Buffalo Bills. Who did they beat in week one? The Ravens? Were destroyed by did New England Did they beat England the Ravens in week one? No, they beat the Redskins in week Red, one. Oh, okay. So their the one win Redskins. is against the Washington Redskins, who are an absolute mess. So let's go over it. They beat the Redskins. Fantastic. Last week, they lose to the Jaguars. The Jaguars today were blown out by almost 50 points by the Patriots today. 
And then today, they play the Bills and lose 41-14. This is the same Bills team that was completely outclassed by the Patriots a week ago up in Buffalo. So what are the Dolphins right now? Not a very good football team. And that's why, switching it back to the Jets for a second, that's why the Jets need to win this football game in London. I tweeted early, I'll say it again, I don't care if the game's played on Mars. The Jets are better than the Miami Dolphins, and they better play like it next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Because if they don't and they lose to the Dolphins, I mean, you, I, I mean, the Dolphins are a dumpster fire right now. The Jets need to win this game. They need to win the game, and, and you know, the Dolphins aren't a very good football team right now. They've struggled. And the Jets have to take advantage of it. They, and like we said, they can't come out flat. They can't come out lackadaisical offensively or defensively. And they got to play good football. Because, let's be honest here, the Jets lay a duck. And, 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 you know, the Dolphins are not a great team, but they'll take advantage of any opportunity that the Jets give them. I think they will uh, next Sunday. But, you know, Coach Philbin, he's probably out if this team does not make the playoffs. Just because of the fact that he's been here a few years and they've really been... They've fallen just short all the time. I mean, there are a lot of people that thought that Joe Philbin should have been fired last year. So the fact that this guy kept his job when there were you know, decent coaching candidates out in the market. You had Dan Quinn available. They really were about making that big splash. And they could have did what the Bills did so and hired Rex Ryan. You know what's so funny with, with Philbin? Two years ago, people thought he was going to be fired because of the whole debacle with Richie Incognito. Oh, uh, Bullygate, sure. Bullygate. Everyone thought he was going to get fired, then he lasted. Last year, everyone thought he was going to get fired when the team that played significantly well through the middle of the part of the season really fell apart the back end of the season, as they did two years ago. He keeps his job again. I know he's not going to last through this. He's not going to make it through this if this team falls short. They gave Ryan Tannehill a big contract in the offseason. They gave Ndamukong Sue a lot of money. This team was trying well, the, the front office thought this team was poised to make a postseason run and go to the playoffs. Now, if they keep playing like this, they're not going anywhere. No, and they're not. And you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, we've seen this script from the Dolphins before. We have. You know, they have talent, but they don't play well when they have to. And who do you blame? I mean, you can't fire the players, then. The head coach could be the one that loses the job. you're not getting rid of the quarterback. Not after the contract you gave him in the the offseason. He's going to be – he's their guy. And you know what it is, too? They brought in Mike Tannenbaum to be the president of football operations. Mike Tannenbaum didn't hire Joe Philbin. You know, it's kind of the same situation with John Isaac inheriting Rex Ryan. Mike Ta- Mike Tannenbaum, he could he could bring in his own coach if Joe Philbin continues to underperform this year. Nothing stopping them there. I could definitely see Philbin out at the end of the season. The Dolphins have a lot of question marks, and you know, and, I mean the Jets and, could and really see a dagger in their season if they know, win this they week. can. They absolutely can, and and, and just to, to get blown out at home. To like they did today, very embarrassing. And, and a beautiful new stadium. They're doing all that renovation to Sun Life Stadium. You know, you expect them to come out with with a a, a little bit of uh, more energy, and they just they didn't. They really just looked awful today against the Buffalo Bills, who you said it got absolutely outcoached, outplayed, outclassed last week against the New England Patriots. Very disappointing game for the Miami Dolphins. Very disappointing. I they mean, just had nothing. They had nothing today. Nothing they did uh, resulted in anything positive. It just it, it's got to be frustrating for a Dolphins fan. But listen, that game next week for the Jets, if they start one and three, they put the Dolphins at one and three. I mean, that's tough. That is tough because then that's already three division losses, or excuse me, two division losses for the Dolphins. They haven't even played the Patriots yet. They already have a loss to the Jaguars on their resume. I mean, are they even going to let on the plane there. home? I, I think Philbin. I think he'll be there for the season. But if they don't make the playoffs, you know, he's gone on that uh, on that uh, uh, the the, the uh, fateful Black Monday, as it's referred to as the Monday after the uh, the NFL season. He'll be gone.
Hi, this is Jim Craig of the 1980 Olympic team. And you're listening to Asman and Budic. And we'll see what happens. But back to the phone lines we go. We're taking you till midnight right here on BIC Radio. Brian in Ithaca wants to talk a little MLB. Brian, what's going on? Hey, Brian, what's going on? All right, Wonder Twins, it's your associate Dean here. How you doing? Oh, Dean, Dean Roberts, Roberts. check it on the program. Finally, yeah. I feel like it's, it's well long overdue. So, uh, so let's talk. Uh, we'll talk Mets in a second. But has there ever been a bigger trade impact than Cespedes and Tulowitzki same same year? I think the swing with the Mets and Blue Jays is historic, right? Oh, I think the impact that both players have had on their teams have been, like you said, I Brian, think you got to put Price in that conversation, too, with the Blue Jays. Price, too, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Price has been great, too, but the impact that Yoannis Cespedes have ha- has had on the Mets, and I've said it since he's been here, he has changed the dynamic, he has changed the attitude of that team, of that lineup. And you know, 17 home runs since he's been here. He's played over just yeah. just played over 50 games with the Mets, and he's got 17 bombs. And how many hits? Uh, how many hits have been big hits? You know, he comes uh, up big for them. He came up big for them in Washington, uh, and he, when they've needed a win, and they've needed an at bat, and they've needed a walk, or they needed a big play, he's made it. So, and, and as well with Tuwitzki too. Before he got hurt, I mean, that, the impact he's had along with David Price. A big reason the trade deadline. A big reason why these two teams are going to the playoffs and going to play in October baseball. All right, let's talk Joe Torre effect here. So Joe Torre, uh, great manager, terrible at handling a bullpen, terrible. Now, he, his disciples, Joe Girardi, Don Mattingly, is going to come home to roost this playoff. Mets, uh, Mets get to Mattingly's bullpen, game over. Yankees, uh, you know, a, a much more improved bullpen, but Joe Girardi still challenges managing it. Uh, that's Joe Torre's lasting legacy. He had Wetlands, he had Rivera, he had some great players. Terrible at managing a bullpen. Uh, Terry Collins, we'll see. Well, that's the thing, because the case can be made with the Mets bullpen. You know, the way Clippers pitched up late and the way some of these other guys, Addison Reed, you want him in a big spot, Dan? I don't think you do. You want to see him in the playoffs. So, I mean, the thing with the Mets and the Dodgers is we know what they have at the top end of their rotation, whether it's Granky Kershaw or it's Harvey DeGrom. We know what the Mets and Dodgers have. But playoff games are won with the bullpen, and obviously – you know, how the manager is able to manage it, whether it's Collins or Mattingly or from the Yankee standpoint, Joe Girardi deciding when to pull his starter and, you know, go to Dylan Batances or Andrew Miller, that's obviously huge. And we saw what the Royals did last year, for example. A dominant bullpen in the postseason can get you, you know, past a lot of teams if you don't have the offense or the pitching of some of these other squads. So bullpen is huge, especially in the playoffs. And I think as far as managing a bullpen, I think Joe Torre does a better job than Don Mattingly. And Don Mattingly, let's not forget here, just about a month ago, Dodgers fans were calling for Don Mattingly's head because he couldn't manage the bullpen. It looked like they were going to blow this lead. Luckily, they got back on track. The Giants lost some games, and they were able to take command of that division again. But I agree with you. I think Don Mattingly's done a tr- an awful job managing that bullpen. Girardi, I think where Joe Girardi's issue is with the bullpen, I think, you know, Jake, we were talking about it. He gets too creative with what he's trying to do. You know, they beat the Mets uh, last Saturday 5-1. He needed seven pitchers to do that. I mean, it was the first time in baseball history a manager's used seven pitchers to win a 5-1 game. Yeah. I mean, he just – sometimes I feel like Joe Girardi just does a little too much with his bullpen, and it has cost some games this year. Jake, I know you've spoken about it. You've tweeted about it a lot. He has cost them some games this year. Well, the frustrating part – with Joe Girardi is I really think that the September 1st call-ups 
has been bad for this Yankees team because Joe Girardi is like a 10-year-old kid in a toy shop. He wants to use everything, wants to play with everything. At the end of the day, you're in a pennant race, and he's bringing in guys like Nick Rumpelo and guys that have no business being on this team pitching meaningful innings in a, pe- in a pennant race, and it's costing and, the Yankees some games. You're and, right. And I remember, Jake, we were talking about it last Friday night. We were sitting prepping for the Bombers football game, and I, I said to you, who are these guys Joe Girardi's bringing, bringing in in a, in a Subway Series game with a meaningful games for both the Mets and the Yankees? Who's Joe Girardi bringing in? Rumbelow, uh Who's the other lefty they brought in through a wild pitch on the first pitch he threw? Yeah. I mean, they, the guys he, I The September call-ups, I think, is, has done Joe Girardi uh, nothing good at all because I think he gets too creative with the bullpen. And he tries to make everything a little too complicated with, the, you know, Jake, I know you refer to him as Binder Girardi, Binder Joe. But it's true. I think he's cost him games this year, more so this year than ever before. Yeah. All right. Let, last thing. Let, let's do a deep analysis for those freshmen who just don't understand baseball like we do. You know, the Reed Kellers of the world. The Jackson <laughs> redoing, redoing an excellent oh, job tonight. Uh, screening yeah, the box in here in the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's get a deep cut in here. So what no one's talking about is uh, the Dodgers and the Mets are uh, you know neck and neck for a home field coming up here. Um, I think uh, I haven't looked. I think the Dodgers might be a half game up. Mets are Something actually Mets are actually two games up right now. Two games up. Okay. So this is going to have a major impact on uh, on this first series because let's talk about Granke. Not not the world's smartest guy. Definitely a head case. And anyone who's played the game knows you just chirp at him. Uh, you know, Kershaw has had his challenges in the playoffs, but he's a gamer. But I think you get Granky away from the friendly confines of Dodger Stadium. You, you got a problem there. You got a guy who uh, definitely hears the calls. I, I could see a rink ain't kill situation occurring. Uh, you start chirping from the bench. You know, I, I, I played college ball. I know these type of guys. He, he's going to melt down. What well, do you think? I, I think home field advantage in this series is huge. I think more so, though, for the Mets than the Dodgers, just because for this Mets team, they're a young team, and I feel like they're the type of team that's going to come off the energy of the home fans. And if they could be playing games one, two, and five, possibly, at City Field, I think yeah. that's humongous. And I agree with you, too. I think, you know, history shows the advantage goes to the team that has home field advantage in a series yeah. like that, best of five. Um, as far as the, the Rick Ankiel comparison, I mean, we'll see. I think time will tell uh, what happens with that. But you mentioned it. You know, uh, a guy like Zach Rinke's had a lot of anxiety issues in the past, especially when pitching on the road in big spots. So, yeah. you know, it's not going to be bigger when he's pitching on the road in game, you know, probably one or two at City Field in front of 50-plus thousand fans, you know, one of them rip his head off. So yeah, yeah, time I, will tell. But I think home field advantage is used. And, you know, Mets have a two-game lead in right now in that category. And hopefully, you know, games one, two, and maybe a fifth game uh, could be it. City Field. That's the hope. Yeah, chemistry is big, guys. Chemistry is big, and uh, the Dodgers don't love each other. I mean, that that's obvious, right? Uh, so I, I like what the Mets have, and uh, you know, you all get into it. It's like a dean's office. The dean has tried to choke me multiple times. Well, you <laughs> know, and and that's, it's it's but, uh, it's the chemistry in the dean's office. Yeah. The chemistry. You know, Dean yeah. Gajewski, Dean Roberts. They uh, you know, they, yeah. they got to do their jobs at a high level. Sometimes it gets very yeah, hostile. Yeah. It gets very, I'm sure it gets very hostile in the Dean's way. I mean, sometimes when I go in there, I'm afraid to walk in. I feel the hostility. Yeah, number, number 50 game suspension, too. But, you know, we, we took the wrong cocktail. No big deal. <laughs> oh, we move on. Well, if, you, uh, right, gentlemen. if you're going to try and you know, bring it to a federal court, make sure you go to the guys that uh, Tom Brady used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Patriots live a charmed life. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, can, we, can't all, we, can't all, uh, we can't all live the charmed life. 
Yeah, that's true, but we work hard. Oh. You did a nice job, gentlemen. Uh, let's talk about uh, Mets in the World Series in about three weeks or I, so. We'll from, from your from mouth there. to God's ears, Dean Roberts. Yeah, I really yeah. hope so. Thanks for the call. Hey, see you. Stay well. Bye. Listening to the Asmund and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.